This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 302. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by two very special co-hosts, Jacob Paulson and Rob Beckman. What's up? Howdy, guys. Hey, glad to have you guys all on. Uh, Today, we are talking about the ultimate guide to gun safes, talking about gun safes, handgun vaults, quick access solutions, everything you want to know about properly storing, staging, and accessing in a safe manner when you need to uh, your your handguns from these various products, right? So gun safes, handgun vaults, and so forth. It's going to be a fun episode. I've got uh, two experts on the subject right here with me today. Uh, So uh, folks that don't know Rob Beckman, he's been on the podcast a few times, and uh, he is an instructor in in our network in the Cincinnati, Ohio area. And uh, we're we're thrilled to have you because uh, we've got some exciting stuff coming here soon. I don't know if it's too early to announce, but uh, I'll let Jacob and Rob make that call. But anyway, uh, welcome to today's show. Today's episode is made possible and brought to you by... We have a special offer for those of you listening to this ultimate guide to gun safes. Gun Vault and Sports Afield products. Gun Vault makes some great quick access handgun safes. Sports Afield does the same. Sports Afield also has a full lineup of gun safes. Anything from little 12 gun safes all the way up to like 48 or 120 gun safes. I don't know. <laughs> they have some huge gun safes. You'll see a lot of those products available for sale in our store. You can buy them right from our concealedcarry.com store, have it shipped to your house. Now, you might need to have somebody there at the house to uh, help you get it into the house. Uh, yeah, Actually, you will. <laughs> if you buy one of the big ones, you'll need somebody typically uh, hired to to do that or if you or if you have 12 friends of your biggest friends like Rob Beckman size you know 12 of your friends <laughs> so anyway but yeah you get it delivered right to your doorstep uh, gun or excuse me the sports of field line of safes excellent quality stuff very affordably priced I think too and we have a very competitive pricing on our website and then, of course, everybody should be familiar with Gunball. They make good stuff as well. So this week only, expiring March 20th at midnight mountain time, you can save, and on some of these products, this is huge, 15% off by using coupon code CCPSAFE15, CCPSAFE15. That'll knock off 15% off. All Gun Vault and Sports of Field products on our website this week only, again, expiring March 20th at midnight. Go check them out. And then also, just a reminder, uh, well, I guess our other, other sponsor is the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. Uh, great, great app with tons of resources and information. Uh, you got you get the podcast right in there. You get our news feed, all of our great editorial articles and things on our website. Uh, you get access to our maps, law uh, information, legal information from all the various 50 states. Generate a reciprocity map. But here I want to point out that also in the app, you can log in anytime and just check pricing in our online store. We have a shop feature right there built into the app. Very convenient very easy to use. So the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app, available all the time, Android, uh, Apple devices, doesn't matter. And it's free, 100% free all the time. So that's that's what made this episode possible today. We're going to go ahead and jump into things here. We got a lot to cover. I mean, when we talk about safes, there's so many different options, features, uh, accessories even for safes. And again, as I said, I've got uh, with me Rob and Jacob Paulson, and we're going to talk about it. So where do we begin? Uh... <laughs> I'll throw something out there. Gosh, you, you, you'd think we didn't prepare or anything like that, but uh, anyway... Rob, well, one, one, of, one of the things that, uh, you know, I'll throw out first that I like is a de- desk safe, something when you're at your desk, uh, mine's in the basement and need some place that I can safely store something if I don't want to be carrying it at that time. And yep. I'll just throw this out. I got this from the concealed carry uh, website. It's nice and quick. I can get into it. It pops open and inside I can put the gun, find it very handy. Yeah. 
sometimes you know, you know i've got multiple or i've got you know little ones that c- come around and i want to disarm for a little while i can put it is next to the, the desk uh, and store it is that the rvs jacob mm-hmm. yep. yeah that's what i thought so the rvs is the side mount option so yeah you can mount it right to a wall right to a desk as rob was saying uh super convenient you know <clears throat> It's not even a bad idea to have just one of the little clamshell style, you know, near your desk or something or, or in an area where you might do dry fire practice, for instance, because obviously a best practice and an absolute essential safety protocol of doing dry fire with a live weapon is to completely unload it and separate you and that gun from ammunition in that in that area or in that room. Uh, some people will go so far as to take the ammunition that they unload out of a live farm prior to doing dry fire and take it outside of the room that they're in. Uh, but I've done it where I've taken my ammunition out, stuck it in a little handgun vault, locked that up, you know, and I, I know then that that's all in there and it's, it's not going to get touched. It's not going to get mixed up into the gun as I'm doing various drills in dry fire. So that's, uh, dude, that's a really excellent, uh, right off the bat, uh, solution. Uh, from you, from you, Rob, about uh, having and a here, safe right there by your I desk. Really like about it. I don't know if the camera will pick it up, but when I press the buttons, they light up. So if it was dark and I need to press yeah. it, I they light up. Second of all, I have tactile feel, so I can actually feel where my fingers are, and without even looking at it, I can press press the code in there properly. Plus, it has this little backup to where if the battery dies, I've got a way to get in the in the vault. Yeah. Even even if the electronics don't work, which I think is one of those things. I'm a technology type of guy, but I see way too many times the technology fails and you have to have some way, especially when you come, get to self-defense. How do you get into it if that battery goes out or one of the one of the uh, keypads is broken, something along those lines? You know, how do you get into it? And that's where I'm always looking for a backup option in case something happens. Yeah. Yep. A couple of different ways we can go with this. It sounds like uh, we can start talking about kind of opening systems and, and things on those lines, or we can kind of talk about you know different sizes, shapes, and and uh, you know that kind of thing. I mean, that safe that uh, that Rob just showed, I have the same one mounted on my desk in my office, and you can get a safe like that from Sports Field. We sell those. Um, Gun Vault also sells one like that called the Speed Vault. They got fancier names than, than Sports Field does. So the Gun Vault equivalent is called the, the Speed Vault. Uh, a little bit more expensive. We sell that one on our site as well. And then, uh, what you call it? Stackon has one well. Do not buy the Stackon version of that product, those side wall mount. It is horrible. I got one sitting about four feet from me. So here in a minute, maybe I'll go grab it. But it's like twice as bulky and twice as horrible uh, for, for the exact same you know, product and price. So, But yeah, the gun, gun vault in Sports Field, if you're looking for something to kind of mount under a desk or up against uh, you know, kind of the, a side of the nightstand or something like that, I think those... Now, what I'll call kind of gravity opening uh, systems are pretty good. Yeah, it's a it's a quick access solution. So if you spend a lot of time at a desk and uh, you don't want to have the gun on your body, I prefer that. But if you don't, which is totally fine, you can have that right there next to you on the desk and uh, still very very quick to access, provided you you know that code, you know it well, you got it memorized, you know perfectly. Uh, so I, I have a, a number of quick access safes. I have products from Gun Vault. I have products from Sports of Field, and uh, they they all have kind of that same you know tactile type feature. You can easily find where the buttons would be. Uh, the Gun Vault ones don't light up like the Sports of Field ones do. <clears throat> so ah, touche. Gun Vault contacted me yesterday. And they have a new lineup of safes that they're introducing right now. They're actually phasing out. This is interesting, based on Beckman's uh, comment. They're phasing <laughs> out all their biometric systems, and they're rolling out a new line of safes uh, that are comparable in terms of the kind of your four core, you know, sizes. And we'll talk. Maybe we'll talk about that. But they're rolling out a new new set that do have uh, illuminated buttons and illuminated interiors. Hmm. And they're getting rid of the biometric line, eliminating it. Really. It out. Wow. So that's very interesting to me. So there's actually a question in here from uh, a, a viewer, Bob. He asked, key, combo, electric, or bio locks? Yeah, should we go there next? Yeah, I think we should talk about that. We should just address that head on. Uh, so, I've got some pretty strong opinions on this, uh, but yeah, take it away. Rob already <clears throat> said a couple of good things, right, about you know how dependent you want to be on digital. So I, I guess I would just start by saying all safes should have a key uh, if not the primary opening system, I would hope, <laughs> but you definitely want at least a key override, right? So if batteries die or anything else goes bad, you always want a key override. Backup system. Yep. 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 I mean, it wouldn't make sense uh, to not have some sort of backup option. Now, I'll be honest. I don't know if I know where all my keys are for some of my, some of my handgun vaults. <laughs> oh, Riley, get organized, bro. <laughs> no, I think I do. But, uh, you know, the thing is, is I, I, I collect those when I get those handgun vaults and I, I, 
put them away <laughs> so that they're secured away from uh, from my kiddos. You know, I don't need my kids finding those keys. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I actually do know where they are, but I, I haven't seen them in a long time <laughs> because they are sequestered away in a in a very uh, secure location. But uh, yeah, so it, it wouldn't make sense to not have some sort of backup option, obviously, because if you forget your code, you're, you're hosed, right? Uh, now, these... These quick access safes or vaults that we're talking about right now primarily, uh, we'll get into the bigger stuff here in a bit, they are not impossible to break into, all right? You know, like I don't think anybody expects that necessarily either. They are generally very secure, and certainly I think for protection in the event of of a child accessing the firearm, like I think they work and are very adequate for that type of scenario. But if you have somebody that has a will and has the time, uh, honestly, most of these little vaults you can probably break into in five minutes or so, you know, or less, you know, with with some really serious tools. Uh, actually, maybe crowbar. not even that serious. Uh, yeah, uh, crowbar, screwdriver, sledgehammer. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it will bend. Yeah, you you know, made from eighteen gauge, maybe sixteen gauge steel. Uh, some of the cheaper ones are made from uh, twenty gauge. Uh, or did I get that backwards? Twenty would be the like worst, sorry, worst case. Wire sixteen is more common. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting my gauges backwards. Shotguns and and steel and all that stuff. Anyway, yeah. So, <clears throat> but but they're not impossible to break into. So worst case scenario, if I lost a key and lo- forgot my combo, I would just I would just break it open. <laughs> it would suck, but that's that's what it would come to. All right. So <clears throat> here's the thing. I have some pretty strong opinions about biometric. And I find this news that is obviously very, very new news because I hadn't heard anything about this. And you said they just contacted us yesterday or today. Mm-hmm. Gun Vault. Yesterday. Eliminating yeah. their biometric line. Okay, so the question about biometrics, this is a, this is a common thing. People think... Um, should I get the biometric one or should I get just the keypad one? Uh, you know, because the biometric sounds really cool, really fancy, ultra secure because, you know, my, my fingerprint's unique or whatever, right? My experience with biometrics, and I've tested a couple of them, has not always been super positive. Now, they generally work pretty well. And the gun vault ones are really solid. They're, they're built well and they work well. But even the best biometric solutions for safes that I have seen, even the best ones do not work a hundred percent of the time. And by that, I mean, you will, they are programmed. The algorithms in those are such that you're far better having a false, uh, false negative reading rather than a false positive reading. Right. You know, so if there's any question whatsoever that, that, that the computer chip in that device is designed to, hmm, that fingerprint was close, but not quite there, it's going to deny you access. That's far better than, oh, that's close. Uh, we'll go ahead and let you open it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's it's not on the side of <clears throat> denial. Sure. Exactly. Right. I mean, it has to be by, by the nature of what's, what that thing is storing inside the, the the potential danger for a child being able to gain access that has to be designed that way. So under the best of circumstances, I would say from my own personal uh, anecdotal experience that they fail as far as you being the authorized person using your fingerprint, they probably fail 10 times out of a hundred at like best case scenario. And worst case, I have another. Bi- I have a biometric one, and I don't rely on my biometric ones for quick access because they are not, in my opinion, reliable enough. So I have another one here that doesn't use the fingerprint reader like the gun vault one, but it uses the like you have to like slide your finger across the reader. You know what it's I mean? Like swipe. Yeah, yeah, the swipe feature, and like some computers have that. You know, that is probably only fifty to sixty percent reliable. It's it's atrocious. So when it comes to biometric versus the good old-fashioned keypad entry, and I prefer the gun vault and sports of field varieties where you know they do kind of have that tactile feature or even like an outline for your hand to slip into. So it's very easy to know that your fingers are on the appropriate keys. And then it's just a memory thing. You just push your fingers in the order that you know you're supposed to, and boom, like that, that if you do that and you know your combination perfectly, like you will nail that 99 times out of 100. You'll have probably one out of 100. You're like, oh, crap, I actually hit that finger first instead of this one. That's well, more then reliable have, than the biometrics. all the drama of, of being like too sweaty or having blood on your fingers right. or you know a recent cut or you know anything like that that can throw off a biometric reader. I've actually done testing with uh, biometrics about three years ago where we put chocolate syrup on our hand uh, to simulate blood. 
Yeah. And when you start trying to do those, um, the error rates go from, you know, 10 out of a hundred to 90 out of a hundred oh, or yeah. literally the only way you can get into it is you got to wipe your hand off, swipe it. And then you go and you think about it under stress, you're sweaty or, you know, God forbid that you're, you're bleeding something along those lines. Uh, that's not the time to go along and try to find some hand wipes to make sure your hands are nice and clean. Yeah. Not, cool technology, but I've stayed away from it, obviously from what I've shown simply because of the, uh, inherent uh, inaccuracies with it. Yep. Yeah, and if you work with your hands at all, if you work in the trades, uh, con- construction, metalwork, uh, plumbing, electrical, you know, any 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 job where you are using your fingers every day, uh, chances are you'll have a lot more issues than the average person because you know just by the nature of your work, the surface of your skin is worn down a lot more smoothly. You know, the the biometric reader is depending upon those ridges on your finger or thumb to be able to actually get a good imprint and a good read. Uh, Jared says here, his fingers are generally beat up enough I could have issues opening them. Uh, he was getting fingerprinted for work and they weren't sure they would, that his fingerprints would be clear enough for the background check. This was at a federal facility. Uh, I had a similar experience once uh, trying to get fingerprinted for a background for a federal background check and and it was, you know, they had to redo a couple of times some of my fingers because they just weren't giving a good reading. Or they just don't like you, and they don't want you to get back, you know, federal anything. Who, who doesn't um, like me? I'm love. I'm a lovable guy. <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. So, so here's kind of where I, I land on this. I land on uh, key only. I'm not okay with, and it even even the key uh, overrider backup. I want it to be a very a relatively complex key and hard to pick. Uh, I don't do biometric at all. I just don't. So I don't do key only. I don't do biometric. And, and then from there, it's really a choice then for me between you know what I'll call like a, a, a combination dial, combination lock, or a digital keypad of some form. And on a quick access safe, I, I go you know t- keypad right. And but on a, a non quick access safe, so you know like I have a monstrosity of a safe uh, in the house where I you know I'll call it like long term storage. I don't get into that safe very often. Um, you know maybe one, once a week max. And that I, I'm inclined to say the more difficult it, and time consuming it is to open the better. Like I'm totally cool with that taking me like sometimes two tries, you know, at, at two minutes to you know, three times past this number, then counterclockwise <laughs> four times past this. Number. Like it's crazy. Uh, so anyway, I, you know, I guess just keeping the context of that quick access safe, you know, being kind of the conversation we seem to be engaged in versus, you know, a long term storage safe that I don't ever have any need to access quickly. Yeah. But at the same time, I know there's people out there that have one safe in the home and sure. and it's generally one that's a little bit slower to access, uh, whether it's the dial or even if it's a numbered keypad. Those numbered keypads are always still slower than just intuitively being able to place your hand on a device where the buttons line up with your fingertips and you just go, you know, so... Uh, a, a a typical standing safe, you know, that you're talking about, Jacob. You have a dial on yours. It's pretty. Uh, it's a, it's an impressive safe. It's a very nice safe. Uh, you know, that takes you it takes some effort. You know, you're exactly right. You got to turn to the number, and then you got to go the other direction. You got to go past the last number. <laughs> you know, it'd be it, within plus or minus a millimeter, or else. My, yeah, my wife. Combination. My wife can't get it open, you know, and, and it takes me two or three tries sometimes. I'm like, dang it, I you know, barely was off. You know, so yeah, that's just that's the nature of that game. Yeah, now let's let's talk real quick though. We've talked about combination safes, and I, I just pointed out, you know, the, there's the number pad variety, which I'm not as fond of. And I'll say, even in the case of a big standing safe, you know, big heavy duty safe, uh, I'm not as big a fan of the little keypad entry because those have been shown to have some vulnerabilities. Uh, there's some hackers out there that are good enough to be able to pull that cover off, cross some wires and hook up their computer or do this or that. And, you know, they suddenly have access to your safe. Um, the dial, I think, is, is probably the most, you know, it's a tried and true centuries old method of accessing a safe and, and works very well for, for security purposes. But let's talk a little bit about you know, there's also other safes to have, like more like the simplex combo lock. You know, that's what that is a manual lock. So you have buttons that you would press, and you got to press the the right buttons or you know whatever combination of buttons. But uh, so that's a manual combination lock. Uh, some of you, are, I'm sure, hearing this, you're not really able to picture. You've never seen one of these before. But I used to work in some government installations where you had secure rooms that had these simplex locks, and they were just 
massive locks on these doors on the handle and you'd have to push in these manual steel buttons and you'd enter in the combination and then that door would be able to you know the the handle would be able to turn and you'd open the door um so there's little handgun safes and vaults and things and even ones for rifles i've seen stuff that go under the bed that that use like these simplex style locks and those are okay too, but they I, think they I think they have the same limitation of a number pad that it's it's a little bit more like you have to have the feedback of looking at it and your finger generally you know to reliably enter in the combination you need to as opposed to being able to intuitively just feel where the buttons are with your fingers because of the uh, you know the, the the design aspect of that a lot of these little quick access safes have. Um, so now then the a, a question sometimes comes up: What about reliability. I even saw a comment from somebody saying something about, you know, I'm not going to trust my life to, or I don't trust technology enough to put it in charge of my life or safety. That was a, qu- a comment from Sean. And, <coughs> and I've heard this uh, concern brought up before about even these uh, gun vault and sports of field type products that are electronic, but they're not biometric, right? So the buttons that we're talking about, the RVS that uh, Rob held up there and talked about a moment ago, those are electronic, uh, what's your guys' experience on the reliability of those electronic quick access safes? So I'll, I'll jump in. I know that I'm a bit of a mic hog uh, on, on topics like this that I'm really passionate about. But I can tell you this. My electronic keypad safes that you're talking about are all more reliable than any gun I own. You know, So we can, we can talk all day long about technology and, and stuff, but they open every time. Whereas my gun malfunctions you know, every couple thousand rounds at best. Right. So like if we're really putting in that kind of context, uh, I'm inclined to say, yeah, that technology is relatively simple and it's extraordinarily reliable in my experience. And my only uh, experience with the electronic ones are when the battery goes out and that's where having a backup key comes, comes in place. Or, you know, what happens is the one safe I don't open uh, every week or, um, it's the one that I don't see the blinking light tell me to change the battery. And that's the one, when I go to it, it's like, okay, the battery's completely dead. Won't get even blink the light. And that's when I have to go get the key, open it up, change the batteries. Cause you can't change the batteries unless you've got the safe open. Yep. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, it's interesting. So best practice, I, I think on most of these quick access uh, vaults that are electronic is to change the batteries once per year. Uh, I've been doing a test on one of my safes. Again, it's not one that I use for, uh, it's not one I depend upon for quick access in an emergency. It just is a convenient little vault that I have here. I've been testing it for quite some time now to see how long the battery would go. I have not yet replaced the batteries in it, and it's been four or five years. <laughs> so I got to do mine every six months. Really? Yeah. So I have a gun vault one that uh, I, I even at replacing it a year, I'm sure it would still go for way longer than that. So interesting. Good, good to know. But it's just interesting. I guess it probably is going to depend on the, on the actual model, the actual uh, brand of safe, you know, as far as how efficient they've made that device. Uh, well, I will, I will say this, like uh, just from reading a lot of reviews online, talking to people, I think that the, the if you if you have a gun vault safe that's two, three years old or newer, and same thing with the sports field, it probably takes a nine volt. And those, in my experience, last a pretty dang good long time. You know, I think you could count on six months. Uh, using them daily. Right? I mean, I open my my primary quick access safe. I open twice a day, so my gun vault gets used multiple yeah. times a day. Right, but now I get way said, more in six months. <laughs> sure. If you, if you go back like six years ago, eight years ago, the gun vault safes back then were running on three or four double A's, and those definitely drained a ton faster. So if you if your experience with these safes is from you know a decade ago, and you're like, oh, my batteries died so fast, you you maybe just need to get an upgraded newer model. Jared well, asks five years old, oh, so it, I, I'm yeah. in that double A category. I have a gun vault that is uh, I I had it in Idaho before I moved to Denver, so it's over. It's it's at least ten years, and I know I had it for a while there, so it's it's over ten years old, and it's it uses I think six or eight double A batteries. It's pretty it's yeah. It's, it sucks when it comes time to replace it. You're like, holy cow. <laughs> yeah, small uh, investment there. Yeah, but you know what works really well is a as a uh, kind of a procedure is that I will once a year replace those batteries, pull them out. And like, that's almost the perfect time to replace all of your like remote batteries or clock batteries. And, and cause those batteries will still have tons of life in them. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I do. I do it with daylight savings time. That's how I, cause like no one forgets to change clocks at daylight savings time, right? Like it'll drive you insane. So that I use that as my spur to change batteries and smoke alarms and safes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so a couple questions here. Uh, let's see. Jared asked, uh, I had it here and then it scrolled past. Here we go. Uh, actually, interesting comment from Jared. He said, again, regular access shows wear patterns on simplex locks. And that is true. That is a, a potential issue, with, especially with the cheaper ones. If you don't change the combinations. So. Yep. And then Bob. Yeah. And then Bob. Uh, yeah, you got that. It's a really key thing to change the combo. And then Bob uh, commented or asked, so electronic with a backup key, a complex key, for instance, is the is with a backup key option is the recommendation. And I think that's pretty much what we're saying. I think myself, Jacob and Rob are as far as these little quick access vaults, that, that's I think that's where where our minds are at with this uh, recommendation. Well, I think one thing too to point out that is a big advantage to electronic ones is say you give the, give the combination to somebody and then for some reason you don't want them to have access anymore. Electronic ones, you can go into them and change the combination. The mechanical ones, you can't easily change it without calling a locksmith. So that's a big advantage to having electronic one. You just press a button, type in the new code and poof, you're, you're ready to go. And that person no longer has access to it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, valid point. Yep, good good thoughts. Uh, let's see. Bob asked, brand of battery? I recommend for these safes. And again, you're, at least in my case, I am depending somewhat on several of these quick access safes. For I'm My life is depending on them, you know, because at 2 a.m. when I'm asleep in bed and I want to be able to quickly access a weapon uh, in the event of a break-in or something, I need that thing to work right then. So just like I don't recommend using cheap ammunition for self-defense ammo, I don't recommend using cheap batteries for your quick access safes. Uh, so, you know, like a good brand name alkaline battery or whatever the manufacturer recommends, that's what I would suggest about batteries. And then Jared asked... That would avoid rechargeables. Yeah. Oh, yes. Definitely. And in fact, no most, of, most of them actually say in the manual, don't use rechargeables. Uh, Jared asks, are there electronic models that plug in with rechargeable backup? And I, there are some, I don't know who all makes all those, but I do know. And I think gun vault has one that you can plug in as well. Yeah. They're not nearly as common. That's, that's certainly true. Yeah. And they're usually the larger models. Uh, so good, good questions here, guys. And then let's see. Oh, and, and what about RFID? We, we didn't touch on that. We talked about combinations, biometric, but let's talk about RFID. So my challenge with RFID is that it infers you have something with you. It's similar to a key, right? Okay, so I have this safe. In order to open it, I need a thing, right? That thing, whether key or, or RFID card, either way, I need that thing. So that implies either I always have it on me, in which case my safe is not accessible unless I'm there. So I can't, my wife can't access or somebody else can open unless, now we have, unless they both have keys now. But the point is I have to have it with me. If I want to secure it, then what am I going to do? I have to, am I going to hide the key or RFID card near the safe? If so, how secure is it really if someone can find it and search for it? If I, if I hide it or, or secure it or store it somewhere far away from the safe, then how quick access safe really is this if I have to go retrieve something in order to open it? So I, I look at keys and RFID cards in the same kind of rough category where um, they're both arguably hackable or pickable. And neither of them are ideal because they require I have something with me or near the safe in order to access. And somebody can also get into it simply by possession of that RFID. So not yeah. only do they, you know, they don't have to know how the combination works. All what I need is this card or this uh, wristband in order to get into yeah. it. I've stayed away from it for those those uh, points that Jacob just made uh, came up. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, the only RFID solution that I would probably consider myself would be one that I could actually, like if somebody could make a product that could attach to my watch without changing the aesthetics of my watch, like maybe on the backside of the watch or something, or on the band or something, if somebody could make a product that I could wear, because I'm always i always wearing my watch, like it just is a thing. Uh, I'm, I'm terrible at keeping the time. That's why, like if I didn't have a watch, I'd be way worse, Jacob. I just want you to know. <laughs> 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 the fact that I'm like reasonably, you know, somewhat okay with keeping the time is because I actually have one of these. Uh, <laughs> So if I had an RFID solution that could be mounted or attached or in some way to my watch that is always on my wrist, like that I would consider because it would always be with me. But uh, that's probably like the only time I would consider it, to be honest with you. Now, there are some solutions. Uh, hold on, guys. Sorry. Uh, there was – I was thinking what's the company name that uh, – they make this safe and it I, – I think there's actually a couple options on the market now, but I think these guys were the first that has Bluetooth capability and can you know communicate with your phone as well. Oh, is it – 
it might just be called Gunbox. Uh, yeah, something like that. I might have to go Google it. Yeah, there's a couple of these that are kind of you know smarter, newer tech. I'm not opposed to those when when they have override options, right? If it's like, well, I can tap a combination directly into the safe, or I can open it from my phone uh, from the app. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know that that's a huge issue. I don't. I, for me, more options is better as long as all those options are equally secure. If something jeopardizes security, so then you just got to ask, you know, how how easy is it for the people to open my phone or access my phone, or you know, it just adds a layer that you got to you know think through. But I don't intrinsically have an issue with with having more ways of opening something. Mm. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I, I do think that your your idea of you know if I had R, an RFID ring or watch or something. Yeah. Um, I, I'll just comment on that, that it's still a deal breaker for me. It's still a no go because it makes it impossible for anyone but me to access it. Right. Sure. Like it, it, a, a combination, whether, you know, whether we're talking dial pad or keypad is something that can be, you know, I can, I can decide who all I'm going to give that to and I can change it anytime I want. If I've, you know, if I've, if it becomes compromised or, you know, someone who used to have it, I don't want to have access anymore, but RFID uh, am I going to get a watch for everybody who want to have access to it? What if one of us loses? The- no, it's it's just a deal breaker for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 that's respectable, of course, as well. Uh, but I think most of those RFID ones also have combination uh, features to them as well. I know the Hornady one does. I know that the gun box or whatever one, it has like little little buttons across the front of it. But the problem is, is almost always those take uh, some, they make some concessions in that the buttons become less intuitive and easier to, less easy to use, uh, you know, in lieu of it being fancier and high tech and using RFID and stuff. Tim, most times it's hard to see it. Yeah. I like Tim's suggestion. Just get an RFID tag embedded under your skin. And and, yeah, and, and, sure. and, and also your spouse and, you know, anyone else that you need to have access to that safe. Yeah. Get tagged like a dog. <laughs> it's a microchip. There you go. Yep. That day's probably coming, though. Hey, let's talk, guys, real quickly. And I don't know. I mean, this is about gun safes, but I don't know that we can avoid the topic. And I've seen several questions here from people about it. Um, what about staging, like, covert furniture stuff? Yeah. Well, we covered a lot. I mean, that's why this uh, it makes sense for us to give away today uh, for Facebook Live viewers uh, the uh, Complete Home Defense DVD, right? And folks, uh, you, you need to go get a copy of this if you don't already have a copy of the Complete Home Defense. We do a whole section in there, and we use multiple different times, different little you know staging options. And that's what I refer to those as. So we're talking about like nightstands, lamps, coat racks, uh, decorative items you put on your wall, you know, like a flag. Yes, yeah, shelves. The shelves are a really popular one, right? You know, uh, let's see. Uh, tactical walls has like their sliding mirrors, you know, and stuff. They're all really a cool. Lamp right here. Yeah, Jacob's got one there. Uh, so, I here here's the thing. For me, in my world, and Jacob just held up the lamp there. That is a staging device and not a storage device and what's the difference i'm going to actually throw this rob's way i'd like to hear rob's uh, thoughts and opinion on this staging is what is is a location where you can quickly get to it and part of the quick quickness is you're compromising the uh, security to it um in those lamps i believe they're the ones i i think you have there you use a strong magnet that is uh, positioned somewhere around they'll open it up now obviously if you had a kid in the house or something, they got to hold that magnet. They could potentially get into that lamp versus a storage location is what we've been talking about having a strong location that somebody really would have to work hard in order to get to it. You know, that, that's where combination, a biometric or some kind of key that would keep it, would, would keep it under lock and key very strongly. Unless of course, you know, they were really, uh, intent upon getting into it with crowbars, uh, cutting, cutting tools, things like that. Yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can really add too much there. I mean, against, so, so staging versus storage, uh, staging is where that, that is all it is. The gun is in that device, in that lamp, in that nightstand, in that shelf, for staging purposes, uh, I don't. I'm not comfortable personally with storing firearms in staging uh, furniture or other devices uh, and thinking that it's secure because they just aren't. If you look at some of the locking mechanisms on some of those, they're made from plastic and not metal. 
and and even then they're they're reliant on screws holding that locking mechanism into wood or MDF or plastic, you know. So uh, it, they they just aren't a proper firearm storage solution. They're a staging solution. You yeah. should be there with the firearm if if you're going to use it as a, as a staging location because then you know if the kids are playing around too much with it or somebody that shouldn't be uh, is starting to goof around with it to bypass those lim- limitations that are on those. Yep. Yeah. And I'll, I think this is worth you know a quick kind of clarifying comment. This applies to a lot of our conversation in the entire podcast episode today, and and that is that a not all systems are, are built the same. Like you know we're we're by the nature of this conversation, we're having to generalize to some degree. Um, but knowing that, you know, some things are built higher quality than others, uh, or, or you might build something yourself that's custom, that's your own. Um, another thing that I think is worth mentioning is that we do have to be cognizant that we all have different uh, situations at home, right? Uh, me and Riley have young kids. Rob's kids are a little bit more grown up now. Um, you know, everyone's got their own situation. And while most of these principles are dang near universal, and I don't think it requires a great deal of variation, we also just have to concede that to some degree, you know, people have to make decisions based on their own circumstance as well. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's a common thing. Well, I just keep a gun on my nightstand or in the nightstand. And there was even a question here uh, from Metholomew who said, or asked, what about having a gun mounted under the nightstand versus sitting on top? You know, so yeah. again, you'll listen to episode uh, 134. Yeah. Episode 134, and also we have a great article that uh, Jacob put together called Keeping a Gun on the Nightstand at ConcealedCarry.com. There's a link in the – we'll try to make sure that's also in the show notes of the episode uh, that, that gets published here. Um, you know, because of the – as you mentioned, Jacob, uh, you and me, we have uh, the solution or the circumstance that we have little children in the home. And yes, I I, tr- I teach and train my children from a young age, and even my older children, my 12-year-old, my 9-year-old – who, and even my eight-year-old now, who have generally displayed very consistent, proper gun safety, you know, from what I have witnessed, it doesn't mean I, I'm still not comfortable with leaving a gun unsecured that's not on my person in the home. Uh, because I, I just, I'm not, I'm not like, I think about when I was, a, when I was a kid, when I was a 12-year-old, when I, you know, even as a 14-year-old, uh, I liked guns. And I knew exactly where my mom's my mom's gun was. Well, you, you also and, have to recognize that if you got little kids, they've got friends. Yes, if you got little kids, you probably have you know uh, you know relatives that are going to come over. I mean, you're in that age, yes. and that's where you have to take responsibility for how you store your yes. firearm. You know, and I I'm, I appreciate you bringing that up because I will see comments sometimes, and there was one already in the Facebook chat here, and I'm not trying to judge anybody on this, but to say, well, I don't have any little kids at home. So I'm good just to have it on my nightstand or under or inside my nightstand or whatever. And like, I understand that. And like you, you, you tell yourself, I don't have any little kids in the home. Well, I always follow that up with, do you ever have little kids in the home? I have a grandkid that comes over now. Yeah. Because chances are you do, unless you never married and you never had any kids and the kids never had any grandkids and all this stuff. Right. And you don't have any nephews or nieces (laughs) unless you're basically a hermit. Chances are, at some point, you probably still have a child that comes into your home. Would be my guess for for ninety eight percent of Americans. And so, you, because you're, I'm not going to try to tell you what to do. Jacob made a great point of you got to decide what 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 works for you and works for your circumstances. But I would encourage you to just be aware of these other situations. It's these exceptional situations that I think we even have to be more concerned about because when we least expect something to happen, that's probably when it'll happen. Right? I, I would throw one thing out, uh, Riley, to add on there. We're talking about kids or other people that shouldn't have access to it. But what would happen if you stage a firearm in your dresser and somebody breaks into your house? I yep. mean, that's like candy on the table. Absolutely. And again, we know we know we have have it to defend ourselves. But if they're closer than we are, then it's no we, we become fighting over a firearm versus going along defending ourselves, which puts things at a completely different uh, situation than if we could def- just defend ourselves and order them, you know, to leave the house, something like that. Yeah. Here's a really great question, uh, Jacob. Maybe maybe take this one. When in the safe, do you keep one in the pipe? <laughs> in the chamber. 
So if, if I'm staging the gun for quick access, I keep one in the pipe uh, in the same way that if it's on my body for quick access, I keep one in the pipe. So I'm inclined to say if you're a person who carries with the round in the chamber, then you should store it with the round in the chamber. Now, that obviously only applies to firearms that I intend to deploy in an emergency quickly. Uh, you know, I got a lot of guns and not all of them restored in safes with, with rounds in chamber. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way uh, as far as, yeah, all my quick access safes, at least the ones that I'm using regularly or that I depend upon in an emergency situation, and especially the one that I every day take my carry gun out, stick it on my holster, on my on my body, and then put back away again. Like those are all staged with a round in the chamber. Uh, it, it's, you know, keep in mind that we use this argument for sure on the street as far as you not maybe having the time to rack around the chamber in a gunfight. Uh, that may be true also even in the home, although we might think, well, I probably have a little more time. But don't forget that there's also that slight potential uh, opportunity of creating malfunction, a failure to feed of some sort, when we go to rack around the chamber. So, well, it, it, Plus, you have to, it takes two hands. You may not have two hands available to you. Um, th- th- yeah, that, I mean, we go listen to episode 18 on all our thoughts on that. Guys, you've got to – I didn't – it didn't even occur to me to say this earlier, but so many of these conversations about gun safes are kind of talking about, you know, the nighttime storage aspect. You just got to go listen to episode 134 of the podcast because we we hashed this thing out in its entirety. Um, I, I did this research piece, guys, where I took like 12 different, well, 12 is maybe pushing, like eight different gun safes, and I tested how quickly I could open them, jumping out of the bed, grab the gun, get a shot on target. And I think you'd be really in shocked by some of those results so like just just go listen to episode 134 go find that video on our youtube channel where i i published those results and i think it'll be pretty telling um yeah it's it's a thing <laughs> yeah watching awesome. watching jacob jump out of bed and and operate a safe that that's a good a mm-hmm. good uh, video to watch <laughs> riley can't watch the video because he can't deal with the how much it comes in and out of focus i i just i'm not a very good cameraman and it's not the best quality video, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Uh, good discussion, guys. I mean, I, I think we've kind of touched on pretty well for these uh, handgun well, let vaults, me, let you know, quick access solutions. Oh, okay, go ahead. So a, a couple of things I think are important. A lot of these handgun vaults do have, you know, that, that we've kind of semi-endorsed here as a group, uh, kind of an electronic locking system, whether it, you know, I got four four buttons and I'm programming in a combination or arguably maybe you have a keypad. You know, we kind of said uh, we don't prefer those as much. But uh, a couple of thoughts here. Generally, these things give you the option of programming a combination anywhere from three to nine digits long. And I think it's just, I wanted to interject a couple of thoughts about that. I, the shorter the combination, the faster you can get it open. Bear that in mind. So when we're talking about a quick access safe, you, there's got to be some balance in determining, well, if I put in a nine-digit combination, it's really pretty dang hack-proof. Uh, it's going to be hard for someone to be, you know, a kid or who knows who else to be able to figure that out uh, and predict it. But if I put in, uh, but it's going to take forever to open. Versus if I go on the lower end, a three-digit combination, I can get that, that safe open much faster. Uh, on average, it, it, take, it costs me one and a half seconds to open a three-digit safe versus just picking a gun up right off the nightstand. So three digits is pretty fast to open. Uh, that, that's not bad, but you know, it's maybe arguably easier to hack. I think what you got to remember is that you're, you're, when you have these safes, they're not there to deter the determined burglar or you know, as much as they're there to, determine, to deter the common burglar right? Whether it's, it's the person who doesn't want to take the time or doesn't have the time or doesn't have the know-how or doesn't have the muscle to crack that thing open. Otherwise, those saves don't make sense, which, which leads me to another kind of my next point, and then I'll throw it back at the gents here. And that mm-hmm. is this. Uh, I've run into too many people who they have a large number of handgun safes and they don't have any larger safes. And I think there's two, there's two bad uh, ways of that. I think that's a bad problem in a couple of reasons. You should have as many quick access safes as you want, wherever in the home you want them to be to stage a firearm uh, for, for quick access. I got no problem with that. But these smaller handgun vaults do not protect the asset as well as larger safes. It's pretty hard to buy a, a small handgun vault that is fire rated and that is w- waterproof mm. for floods yeah. and fires, right? It, it, and it's hard to, to, to get one that's really not removable from the house. Yeah, you can screw them down to you know the nightstand or against the wall, or you can put the security cable on them that makes them tethered to something heavy. But I promise you that you know it, I can get any of those out of the house given 20 minutes uh, versus my 1,200-pound safe when empty, 
you know, that's slippery. Like it's going to take like 12 dudes and an electric dolly to get that out of the house. And it will take them an hour and a half. So I just, I think that we got to keep in mind too, that we talk about these quick access saves a lot because that's the nature of concealed carry in our brand. But uh, if you're going to own a lot of guns, you really need to invest in a larger safe that protects the assets well, that's fire rated, that's waterproof, that's not easily removed from the house or its storage position. And frankly, arguably, it's just as economic as buying 12 of the handgun safes or whatever it might have been in order to store all the same number of guns that you can just put in that larger safe. Yeah, all depending upon your situation and what you're trying to protect against. One of the things when you were talking about that, Jacob, I was thinking about is you know car safes. You know, we all, we're all in our cars. We have situations where we might not be able to carry it wherever we're going. We need something there. Now, obviously, we're not going to have a 1,200-pound safe in the back of the car, but it's another one of those situations where make sure the situation's aligned to what you're going to be doing because just leaving it under the seat is not a you know safe location. And at the same time, you know, make sure if you're going to lock them up at home, make sure it's something that somebody can just can't easily just take a wire cutter, cut the cable, and, and walk away with it. Yep. Yeah. Hey, I was going to move on to the bigger stuff here. And, and Jacob, you were kind of transitioning that direction, but I do want to address real quick uh, this comment from Ken. Has anyone used a Zor gun lock? Now, I will admit I have not used one, but I am familiar with the concept and how they work. And I think they're super clever, uh, but I'm not sure I'm a fan. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, the Zor gun locks uh, is... I'll actually just, I'm on their website. I'll I'll read their description. It's a caliber-specific electromechanical lock that attaches to a semi-automatic firearm, preventing unauthorized use. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) No, but here, so it's it's electromechanical. So what it is, is it's it's part electric and it's part mechanical. So it has a dial, and you actually have to turn that dial. And how it works (coughs) is it relies on you turning the dial, and it clicks, and you can feel or hear those clicks. So you click, say, I don't know, three or four times forward, and then you got to click back, you know, a certain number. Like you program how many clicks, back, forth, back, forth, whatever, and then it unlocks. And then basically you rack your gun and then the chambers around. That's the idea of the Zorg gun lock. Um, don't don't ask me my opinion, dude. I will open up a can on this. I, I would rather just use my, my gun vault because I, I honestly think, and if you saw how fast I opened my gun vault, quick access safe, I'm fast. And I doubt this little Zor thing is any faster. So that, that's me. I, you know, I, I think I will just keep using what I use because I know that it works and it's very fast. I agree with you guys. I, I just see one thing on there that, uh, again, situational dependent. It says it's California DOJ approved. So for those people in California, they may be forced to use something like that. Yeah, well, but again, I'll, you could use a quick access yeah. one like a gun vault. Yeah, all the gun vault safes, all the field safes yeah. are, are California DOJ approved. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Yep. Those two those two brands won't release a product that's not California DOJ approved. It's a deal breaker for them. Um, it, here, here uh, I'm going to try really hard to not open my can and tell you that I'm actually going to be writing an article about this today or tomorrow. It's on my list of, of things our editor has asked me to write about. I don't understand the application of any gun disabling device. Okay, so that, that includes the Zora gun lock. That includes the... Uh, any cable lock, any trigger lock. I don't care if it's biometric, if it's key, if it's, you know, turn this dial three times, you know, one, two, 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 one, you know, I, I don't care. Like, uh, there's another one that, that some company sent me in Riley years ago. That was like a dial, like push button thing. Um, any gun disabling device makes zero sense to me at all, because at any given time in my world, my gun is either on me, in which case I don't, I don't want anything to prevent it from going bang, right? Like when I draw and fire, it's going to shoot or it's in a gun safe. And these gun disabling devices, for me, they, they only make sense in a transportation conversation, right? Because in terms of storage, it doesn't prevent the gun from being stolen. It just prevents the gun from being immediately fired. And so the, the point of the safe is not just to prevent my child or the thief who broke into my house or some unauthorized person to shoot the gun. The point of the safe is to prevent that person from being able to steal my gun. And none of these gun disabling devices actually do that at all. They only prevent the gun from being fireable. And, and so I, I, I don't get that. Now, yeah, I suppose there's some situations where maybe in, in a transportation situation from here to from point A to point B, maybe on my way to the gun range, I want to be able to disable these guns. So they can't be fired. But I have, you know, portable storage systems. And so I don't, I don't know if that's a big deal. I know that some jurisdictions, the gun does have to be locked or disabled from point A to point B. That's not something I ever deal with anywhere I've ever lived. But maybe that's a situation where some of these devices make sense, like the Zorg Unlock. 
But uh, for me, I just I don't get it. I don't understand the purpose of a product that disables the gun, uh, but doesn't prevent it from being stolen. I don't get it. Any criminal given enough time will figure out how to defeat any lock. You know, they've got tools, cutters, torches. They'll they'll figure out a way of uh, of cutting it off if uh, if they can get it in their hands and away from where you are. Yep. Yeah. Good good stuff, guys. Uh, did you see this comment, Jacob, from Tim? Jacob's mind just imploded when I started. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a little bit passionate about these That's things. That's funny. That's yeah. hilarious, guys. Okay, so uh, let's transition now to uh, kind of as we wrap up this episode. Let's talk real quick about big gun safes. All right, so I'll just throw some stuff out rapid fire. Uh, Rob, you know, I'll, I'll uh, look to you to jump in as well, and Jacob. I think any large gun safe that you particularly rely upon for long-term storage should have a couple of things and features to it. Number one, uh, I think it should be uh, reasonably waterproof or watertight, uh, from, you know, to protect from floods. Number two, should have fire protection. Uh, number three, I like lighting in them because they're big and they're dark sometimes. And number four, uh, you, especially if you're a humid in a hu- humid environment, but almost just about anywhere. I, I, I've lived, I think it's still a necessity. You should have a dehumidifier in a large gun safe uh, and keep the rust off of your guns. So that would be the, the, the four big things that, I, that I'm going to throw out. And then earlier I mentioned the episode that I prefer, you know, also like Jacob, kind of like that dial style uh, locking mechanism as opposed to something electronic on the bigger safe because quick access is just is not as much of an issue on the bigger safe. I, I agree with you, Riley. Um, those are the things that I look. I've got battery-operated lights, uh, which allow my safe to be sealed 100%. Uh, I yeah. open it, they automatically come on. And then from a dehumidifier standpoint, I've got the ones that are good for a year, and about every six months I plug them in, they recharge. I keep them in there to keep the humidity within the safe uh, at at lowest level I can. Yep. I'm, I'm on the same page, and that's a pretty good list. I, I really appreciate the technology has come a long way on these. Like uh, now, you can get a larger, a lot of these larger full-size gun safes to do like plug right into an outlet, and so the dehumidifier is built into them. I don't have to have a battery-operated or a powder or a gel-based dehumidifier in the safe. Um, it's just built right in. Uh, you know, some of them are battery-operated. Uh, sometimes the safe itself also you can put the batteries into. But I really appreciate the ones that plug in because then I can have lighting, I can have uh, the dehumidifier, and so, sometimes what it does is it actually puts an outlet inside the safe so there might be other things i want to store in the safe i even have some just ear pro and some other things that i might just want to plug in and leave charging inside the safe so i really appreciate the new technology that allows me to plug in the safe and then have outlets within the safe and and some of those things but but to to rob's point yeah i i my safe does not currently have power to it so i do have like kind of magnetic uh, mounted uh, lighting in there and some other options like that that make it a lot easier to see Um, but yeah fire rating water rating um difficult you know to open and difficult to move those are those are all you know for me mission critical and mine actually are can be bolted to the ground so that, that makes it yes. even harder for somebody to bring a dolly in yes if they got enough time they can either you know cut it open or they could probably get it out of the ground but it definitely makes it a little bit slower uh, one of the things that i like in my safes and it's you know due to the number of handguns i have is i have a lot of hangers for the handguns so i don't have enough pockets on my door, but I have uh, hangers, which uh, give, give me a really good place to be able to keep them organized, to be able to see what I what I have without having them all, all stacked up on top of one another in one shelf. And then long, gun, long guns are below it, obviously. Yep. Good stuff, guys. Um, you know, here's, a, here's an interesting question. Just one final thing we'll throw out here. Talking about ammunition storage versus gun storage. Uh, thoughts, guys, on storing your ammunition? So if you're in a humid climate, I think it's important that that ammo also be near with a dehumidifier. Uh, I've had the benefit of spending the majority of my life, certainly all of my life where I've been allowed to have a gun in places that are very dry. So I'm not as concerned about moisture and and humidity with my ammo. Um, So, so for me, I don't, I don't have any rules related to storage of ammo. I got ammo sitting around in different places of the house. I don't have to have it in my safe. It doesn't, I, I don't, I don't personally ab- abide by any specific uh, particular ammo storage rules. I've got too much ammo to put into a safe. <laughs> throw that out there. Uh, yeah. so do vacuum uh, packs or other watertight seals. Um, a lot of uh, uh, ammo cans and to keep keep things dry from that standpoint. 
Yeah. Now, best practice, according to the NRA, is to store ammunition separate from a firearm. Um, I'll be honest, I, I don't abide by that. And I think the, the, the logic is, well, if somebody were to be able to access your safe, then, you know, like a child, for instance, then they also get access to the gun and the ammunition, uh, where if they just got access to the gun, then there's a gun and no ammo. But generally, like, would you somehow secure your ammunition more securely than the gun? Would they not also be able to get into the ammunition? Um, I just, you know, I, I follow good, safe practices as it relates to how my firearms are stored uh, and the security of those safes and who has access to them and how they are accessed. Uh, I have certain devices for, for firearm storage in my home. I don't even let my children, like they don't even know they even exist. Uh, in fact, I have a staging, you know, I have this uh, thing from, uh, uh, oh crap. Can- Conceal canvas. Conceal canvas, which is really awesome. Um, and throughout, you know, I spend most of my time here in, throughout the day at home. Um, and sometimes I'll have a firearm in that concealed canvas, uh, because I'm here and I'm around my, I have never opened it with the door in my office open and not locked. I, I, I will close my door, lock my door and I open that concealed canvas, you know, for convenience, uh, you know, when I'm just getting into in or out of it, I don't store long term in there, but, uh, you know, I don't let. So there's a, there's some other things we can consider here when when we start talking about how things are stored, procedures that we follow. Uh, you know, I that's just for me a little extra check is them not. I mean, I suspect my 12 year old might think or look at that concealed canvas and go, mm, that looks kind of odd. You know, it looks like it could hold something inside. Uh, but uh, but but the youngins have no idea that that you know they they see a pretty picture and that's a picture that I took in Glacier National Park. Anyway. Well, guys, uh, any last words we want to we want to get out there to the masses? I'll, I'll go first, and then I'll let Rob finish it off. And that would just be that uh, if you are shopping for a gun safe, very much so appreciate you giving us uh, a fair shot at that. We on our site sell handgun safes, we sell uh, full size rifle safes, and we sell diversion uh, safes. So certainly would appreciate your business, and would would hope that you would at least compare our prices with others. Uh, we try to be very competitive in that realm, and we we do sell safes. Currently, from uh, sport, uh, sports a field gun vault, as well as uh, trying to think on the on the handgun side, I think we have some from Hornady and Bulldog, and maybe a few others. On the full size uh, safe world, we ha- we do have sports a field safes, and we have some Winchester safes. And th- those might be the two that were uh, maybe some Rhino safes too. I'd have to double check. Uh, but anyway, just would appreciate your business and give us a fair fair shot at that. Awesome. The one one thing I would remind everybody is. Firearm storage is a is all personal dependent as far as how you live your life and things like that. The thing that we have to take as firearm uh, owners is the responsibility of making sure those firearms don't end up in the wrong hands. Wrong hands are kids. Wrong hands are people with mental conditions. Wrong hands are criminals. Uh, and with that in mind, think about how you're storing them. You know, store them properly in your car. Store them properly in your nightstand. And you know, as we've gone through. You know, there's certain situations where, yeah, having the clamshell kind of uh, kind of uh, security device, perfectly fine. Is it good long term? No, but that's where you're going along and having a, a larger safe. I started out with a locker, literally, to store store you know the first couple of guns I had. Now I've now I've got two gun safes that are very heavy, bolted to the ground, not easy to move, but that's where you start off and make sure they're safe. You know, at the time I didn't have the money to buy the big safes, but I still made sure they were safe and away from my kids because let's put it this way. You cannot go along and undo something once an accident happens with a firearm. It's, that's right. I mean, we, we all know you can't undo it. And if you think about it, it makes it worthwhile to say, okay, I'm going to go to the website. I'm going to go down to the store. I'm going to get something to, to make sure I'm safe. Make sure everybody who comes to my house is safe also. Yeah. You know, it's all about being a responsible, that, that's the responsible piece of being a gun owner. Like, and, and it's incumbent upon us. If we truly believe in and support the Second Amendment, then we also understand that there's responsibility that comes with that. Every right that we have comes with responsibilities. And I think it's incumbent upon us as freedom-loving, yes, freedom-loving, yes. You, I don't agree with the government getting in the way like some states or, or local jurisdictions that say you must store your firearms, you know, you, they must be locked away. 
But I do think it's incumbent on us to use our brains, use our common sense, and be responsible in the way we store, stage, and carry our firearms. And that's all I got to say on the subject. Thank you, gentlemen, for everything that you've uh, brought to uh, the, the, the discussion here today. A reminder that today's episode made possible by uh, you listeners' support of us and our online store by going on over to concealedcarry.com. You can search by category or shop by category in our store, and you can find, uh, I don't know what the exact category is called, Jacob. Jacob could tell us. We have three different categories. We have safes, handguns, safes, diversion, and safes, full size. There you go. And so you can you can choose the category that you are interested in uh, considering to buy your next storage product. And uh, right now, Gun Vault and Sports Afield products discounted for this week through March 20th, mid- midnight mountain time, 15% off. And on some of those products, that can be really huge, really add up. Uh, use coupon code CCPSAFE15 at CCPSAFE15. And then again, Download the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app and see everything you're missing out on uh, from a really, really great app that we we work really hard. We, we literally, here's the thing. This is a huge commitment for our company. We pay a full-time app developer. He's on our staff full-time to keep that thing running and running well and continuing to release updates. Uh, and it, the app itself is completely free. So we have to make money from other things like people buying safes, <clears throat> wink, wink, uh, to, uh, to continue to pay him and keep that app, you know, working as awesome as ever. So download the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. We appreciate your support. We're going to let you all go. Uh, Rob, Jacob, thanks for doing this episode with me today. I thought it was excellent. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, so with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everybody. that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.